Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Coming to you from beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. Doing great, Yeah, Dan. Joe is in a, a remote location today. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, Rush. What, Rush, when he does his show, doesn't he have like Ice Station Zebra or something <laughs> like that where he does the Oh, no, that's uh, Mark Stein when he fills in. Ice Station ah, yeah. Zebra. So Joe is in a remote location oh, today. Uh, you know, he's been handling some stuff. So, But don't you worry. We are here for you, ready to rock and roll. Uh, we never miss a show. Never. God forbid the... We do that to you. So listen, um, I just want a quick announcement. Thank you again to everybody who bought the book. Spygate, it is still in the top 50 on Amazon. Thank you so much. And we now have 210 five-star reviews on Amazon. The reviews are amazing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. The book's going to blow your mind. Charts, timelines. It's got the timeline of media leaks, the timeline of the case. You are absolutely going to love it. Please check it out, Spygate. Pick it up at Amazon. And one more quick note, folks. My wife puts a lot of work into the show. You know we are partners uh, mm-hmm. here in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bongino Inc. endeavor here. Um, she, the new website has now been launched. So if you go to Bongino.com, you will see a new website, new options. We have new articles up. We have an article, which I'm going to cover today by Matt Palumbo, but go check that out, please. You're going to love it. All right. So Bongino.com, go check out the new website. We'd really appreciate the hits today and, uh, give it a look. You're going to like the, the, the landing page. I'm not going to tell you what it is. So, so you're going to have to see, check out the surprise. Um, okay, let's get right into it. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions from you all about uh, the declassification, understandably. Why? Why? Why isn't uh, Trump? He said he was going to declassify the materials, the FISA materials, blow this case wide open. Why isn't he doing it? Uh, What's going on here? Why did he delay the declassification? Uh, And and people seem to think he's getting played by this. Folks, he's not. And I thought of a couple easy ways to sum this up. So as always, I'm going to start with the lead first, and then I'm going to explain later what's going on. The reason I believe, and I'm very confident in this assessment, that the declassification of the information, the FISA warrant, all the stuff that would blow this thing wide open has been delayed is because of leverage. Mm. Now, I looked around feverishly for a good piece which sums this up simply, and I found a good one at American Thinker by a former FBI agent that I'll put in the show notes today um, that sums it up. A couple minor disagreements I have, but it's a very, very good piece, and I encourage you to look at it. Um, Forgive me, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but it's up at American Thinker. It'll be at the show notes today. Folks, it's all about leverage at this point. It, you can't reconcile, Joe. You, for you to be a Trump supporter, not a blind Trump supporter, I don't think Trump wants that either, mm. uh, but for you to be a supporter of the president's tactics, which I am, again, not, we've had some disagreements on some issues, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but you can't, uh, you can't be a, a, like a MAGA guy and believe that he's you know, a strategically sound guy Trump, and then on the other hand, think he's constantly getting played. Those two things don't mesh. Yeah, right. I don't think he's getting played on this. There's leverage over two people or two entities that matter here. Leverage over Rosenstein, and for and this is where I'm a little bit opaque, and I'm being candid with you. There is some leverage over the United Kingdom and some of our intelligence partners that he's using. Remember, Joe, once he declassifies this information that's going to expose the whole Spygate scheme against Trump, most of it which is covered in the book, by the way, once that's exposed, the cat's out of the bag and the leverage is gone. I I guess the best way to say it, Joe, is, you know, if I know you robbed a bank, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
but I need your assistance in another crime, right? Yeah. I'm not going to rat you out to the police because if I rat you out to the police, then my leverage over you to use you in another crime, hey, Joe, you're going to help me out with this kidnapping or I'm going to rat you out about the bank robbery, mm-hmm. goes away. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the fact that he has leverage over them, Rosenstein and our, 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 some of our intelligence partners in these things, he is using that leverage. Now, here's what I think happened. Oh, my wife wants me to give a shout out to uh, to Blair, by the way. Thank you, Blair, for hooking us up with the website. You did do a great job, so the new website. So my wife just texted me as the show went on, so you're a good man. She's, <laughs> she's like, please make sure you mention the website. She put a lot of work in it. The leverage against Rosenstein matters. Why? Why does the leverage against Rosenstein matter right now? And why give it up? Well, because who controls Bob Mueller, Joe? Rosenstein. Jeff Sessions has recused himself. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to get a little deep. And if I lose you, please, Joe, you got to stop me as the audience on budget. At your service. The case against Trump right now by Bob Mueller and the Democrats, the Russian collusion case. Listen, folks, I can't. It's a hoax. It doesn't exist. There is no criminal counterintelligence or any other case based on any evidence whatsoever that collusion is real. Keep that in your head right now. There is no evidence. In other words, it's like me trying to use leverage against Joe for a bank robbery. He didn't commit. It's not leverage if Joe didn't commit the bank robbery. Oh, go ahead. Tell the FBI about the bank robbery. I wasn't there. I was in Aruba. Trump understands that the case against him, Joe, is a political one. It is not a criminal case. He is not stupid. (laughs) Trump understands that the Mueller probe is going to find all kinds of random things entirely unrelated to Mueller's premise for operating Russian collusion. And that's what he's done. He's got uh, Michael Cohen for taxi cab cr- confessions. <laughs> like, what was he? Oh, medallions, taxi cab yeah, medallions. Yeah, yeah. He's got <laughs> Manafort for a business dealing that happened years before he even met Trump. He got Papadopoulos for, for lying to the FBI about a contact that th- at this point looks entirely irrelevant. He got Mike Flynn for, uh, for lying when the FBI themselves said he wasn't even being deceptive. None of these crimes are to collusion why is this happening because it's a political case against trump these these investigations and tertiary secondary crimes unrelated to trump will continue to be investigated in perpetuity because the sole purpose to the Mueller probe is not to engage in a criminal investigation against trump it's to politically damage him to make a case for impeachment mm-hmm. folks please tell me that makes sense we're good we're good we're so you understand yeah. this is a political case only Bad now thing. yeah Bada bing, bada boom. A political case is against Trump will show results. How, folks? By approval ratings. If Bob Mueller can arrest enough people for jaywalking, taxicab confessions, tax evasion from 10 years ago, things that have nothing to do with Donald Trump, right? right. If Mueller can ding them up enough, the old school belief amongst the Democrats was people will eventually start to hemorrhage their support for Donald Trump. It'll just look bad. I mean, you see it on Twitter all the time. Mm -hmm. People tweet out, Joe, we've got 10, 15 indictments guilty. Yes, but none of it relates to Trump at all. So the idea was that at the longer Mueller continued... Uh, Trump's political bank account in the form of an approval rating would be drained 50, 49, 48, 47, 46, 42, down to 30. They would make the case for impeachment, win back the midterms and get Trump out of office or damage him so much that he'd lose reelection in a landslide. Well, what's the problem? 
It ain't working. It isn't working. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I did not cue him on that. It's not working. Trump's approval rating is up. Yeah. It's up near 50%, depending on the polling. It's not working. So, folks, again, do you see the strategic genius of what's going on here? I know many of you are impatient with the declassification. I am, too, because the stuff you're going to see in the declassification is already in my book. I just want you to see it formally. It's already there. Mm. I want you to see it on the record now. But hang tight. Why use your leverage when you're hovering around 50% approval? But, 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 what changed? What changed in the last few weeks? What changed? There was a little event that happened in the last few weeks, Joe, that was a cataclysmic earthquake in the political climate for the midterm elections. Joe, have you heard of this guy, Brett Kavanaugh? Is that ring a bell? You remember there him? There you go. Now, in our news cycle, right, which is so fast, Brett Kavanaugh seems like in dog years that happened seven years yeah. ago. This is actually just last week that this happened, okay? Follow me here. Mm -hmm. The Mueller probe is designed to damage Trump. Trump has an ace in the hole. The ace in the hole is declassifying the report, which shows that Mueller's entire reason for existence, the Russian collusion, is a hoax. Trump would have needed that if Trump's approvals down at 40 and they were looking at a really rough midterm election. Trump doesn't need that now. He doesn't need to declassify. I get it. I totally get it. Folks, ladies, gents, I am with you. I want to see it formally exposed too. But you cannot, if you are going to be a tactical political strategist in a political fight, Joe, let's be crystal clear. Yeah. This is not a criminal fight, folks. There is no collusion. It's a hoax. There is no there there. There is nothing. Zippo. You have nothing to worry about. There is no collusion. Bob Woodard has said it. The Daily Beast just put out a piece. Uh, I believe it was the Daily Beast saying that they put their people on it. It was no, uh, no collusion. There's no collusion. There is no leverage. The leverage is all Trump's right now. It is a G. I want him to I, listen. I want him to declassify. I want to see this stuff so bad. I can't even tell you <laughs> because I just want it on record now. I want. I don't want you to think since episode number 628, if that's when many of you joined us. On a very serious note, I don't want you to think you're wasting your time. And when the declassification comes out, we finished the book three months ago. You're going to see we had a lot of this all along. And I want you to see it. But my desire to sell a book or establish credibility does not trump my desire for the country and the Trump team to win at all. It's not even close. Trump is doing the right thing here. And the piece of the, the American thinker piece sums it up quite nicely. It doesn't say what I'm getting into about the political bank account, but if you read it, I think you'll get it more. I'm going to, I want to leave it with this on this note. He has leverage over Rosenstein by, by well, not declassifying. Rosenstein does not want you to see what's in those reports because Rosenstein was a key player in the signing of the warrants to spy on Trump in the DOJ information laundering operation uh, with Bruce Orr when Christopher Steele's talking to the Department of Justice and uh, shuttling information uh, into the Department of Justice. Simpson's talking to the Department of Justice. They lied about it. I'm going to go into that in a second. There's multiple lies. Uh, they don't want it to be exposed to CIA's role and the spying on an American citizen because they're not supposed to do that. They don't want any of this out. 
Trump only needs to declassify if the political war against him is working. It's not. Keep the ace in the hole. This is all going to come out. It's probably going to come out after the midterms now. And the Kavanaugh thing, just so you saw where my angle was with that, excuse me, the Democrat attacks on Kavanaugh and the massive backlash that ensued turn the political war against Trump vis-a-vis Bob Mueller and others around. The approval ratings went up. The political bank account Donald Trump had went up. So why spend your money now when you're up at the, you know, when you're up? So it's like just he's, like he's going, yo, yo, Rod, baby. Hey, Rosie, uh, come on. You better play nice here or uh, play, I think yes. I might let these. Uh, you yeah. think I might let these things slide? Yes. Yeah, there yes. you go, Rosie. Ro- yeah. yeah, that's it. Take a pill. I'll, I'll Everybody chill out. And I will release this when we strategically need it. They want to put now. And listen, if this was a criminal investigation, it'd be different. You might be able to make the case. Well, that sound a little unethical. No, folks, this is not a criminal investigation. It's a hoax. The whole thing's a hoax. Mueller's entire reason for being is to investigate a crime that Listen to me, folks. Everybody knows never happened. This is a political war. And you and I have to be willing to play dirty with them like they're playing with us. And the playing dirty now is Trump saying, "Uh, let's declassify. Rosenstein panics. He panics, right? Goes to Trump. "Uh, uh, Don't declassify. Don't declassify. Uh, Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Don't declassify. Don't declassify. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Don't declassify. The minute you declassify, the leverage is done. It's over. He now has the ability in a political war Bob Mueller's waging against him to fight politically back by leveraging the declassification showing Mueller's investigation shouldn't exist at all. That's part one, the Rosenstein. Part two of this is there's something going on with the United Kingdom. Now, the book is incredibly detailed about the relationship there. I I understand the malfeasance that went on. The leverage he's using against some of our intelligence partners who played a role in shuttling information about Trump into the U.S. intelligence apparatus is a bit unclear, But and I'm going to speculate for a minute, but again, I'm going to speculate based on a good body of research and stuff that's in our book, right? I think what the United Kingdom and others are really terrified about coming out is the relationship with Misud. Joseph Misud is the Maltese professor who, according to multiple accounts here, starts this whole thing off by meeting with George Papadopoulos and alleging that they have information about Hillary, uh, that he has Russian information about Hillary. That's how the whole collusion thing with Papadopoulos starts. Now, you know, if you listen to the show over the last few days, that's nonsense. The Alpha Bank story is really how a lot of this started. That is paragraph one. And that story completely collapsed and fell apart. But the United Kingdom, when you look at Mifsud, his relationships with people from the United Kingdom, Claire Smith and other intelligence folks in, in the United Kingdom, it seems that at a minimum, there's some kind of a relationship there. Now, If there was a setup involved where, and I've said from the start, I I do not believe Mifsud was exclusively some Russian asset. Matter of fact, I believe his leanings more were towards Western intelligence based on some of the some of some of the statements from his own people and his ability to disappear so quickly. I believe Mifsud's relationship with the United Kingdom when it comes out is going to be explosive. It would indicate that foreign intelligence partners may have had a larger role, the Australians and the United Kingdom, in the setup of Papadopoulos and others than they're leading on right now. 
Think about that, folks. During a contested, heated political election for the most important office in the world, the presidency of the United States, United States, I'm using air quotes here, excuse me, friendly intelligence partners, friendly intelligence partners may have may have played key roles in a setup of a low level Trump uh, 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 Trump campaign official, George Papadopoulos, at, for the sole purpose of fostering a fake net collusion narrative that later turned out to be a total hoax. What Trump needs from the United Kingdom or others, I'm not sure. Yet. There are a number of things, and that's why I'm not even speculating. We have all kinds of things going on with Brexit and others and intelligence sharing agreements. I'm not really sure. But if you read the last chapter of the book, you'll see what the United Kingdom's interests were, the United Kingdom's interest in taking down Trump. Some of them felt that they just didn't like Trump personally and felt that the sharing of intelligence with the United States and a new Trump president would be dangerous, which is absurd. Then don't be fr- we, we, we give you all what all of a sudden we're, you're, you're picking winners in an election. You only think intelligence sharing is good when Democrats win. No, 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 no. We're not having that. Folks, this was a political hit. It was a political hit from the start. Everybody knows it now. That's going to be contained in the declassified, declassified, excuse me, material. He knows he needs the leverage. They were going to build the evidence later against the Russian collusion story. The Russian collusion story never materialized. And now they're using the special counsel and Bob Mueller to wage a political war against the president to make sure this entire scandal is never exposed. But the political war is not working. It's not working, folks. The political war is blowing up in their faces. The Republicans are winning in some of these Senate races. Trump's approval is turned around. Even some of these swingy congressional districts are turning around. These midterms could be, could be a disaster for the Democrats. They may do well on the House side, but if you show up and do what I know you want to do, we have a good chance to not only hold the Senate, but to take it back. And the Kavanaugh thing completely turned it around. The origin material for this entire special counsel, the origin material, this Trump collusion, we got to look at this, the three, all of it is a hoax. They can't have this out there. So just please understand what I'm telling you. They are covering up the fact that this entire case is an illusion. It's a political fight. The political fight isn't working. And brilliantly, the Trump team strategically is withhold the classification, knowing that's their Trump card when this gets out of hand. All right. Um, from uh, Matt Palumbo's piece at Bongino.com today, I want to read to you what else they're hiding. So not only hiding Rosenstein, his role in the fabrication of an entire fake hoax narrative against Donald Trump, and this political fight by appointing Mueller later on, even though they knew it was a hoax. Think about how, how ballsy this is, folks. They, first, they fabricate a fake collusion narrative against the Trump team, use it to spy on him and set him up. Mm-hmm. And then when they, nothing happens and they never take the bait, then later on, they originate a special counsel, the origin documents, which they're keep it, trying to keep classified too, to then double down on the fake narrative as a reason to politically damage this guy so they can get him out of office. It is the most, I mean, that's it in a nutshell right there. Mm. So they're hiding Rosenstein. They're hiding some deeper foreign connection, I believe, between Mifsud and Western intelligence agencies that played a key role in the setup of Papadopoulos, too. They don't want that to come out. Trump has leverage against the United Kingdom if it does come out. But they're hiding something else. And what they're hiding, I think, is deeply, deeply troubling and disturbing. 
I believe they're hiding the role of John Brennan and the Central Intelligence Agency in the spying operation against not foreign, uh, foreign terrorists or others, but United States citizens. Now, I have a piece by Matt Palumbo about, uh, it's terrific. It's about all of Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS's lies, and it's about paragraph one. How paragraph one, in other words, how the FBI started this case against Trump, which is BS from the start. The entire case is BS. How the story, Matt sums it up beautifully in his piece at Bongino.com, which will be in the show notes. Matt sums it up beautifully how the story's changed 15 or 20 times. But the real story Alpha Bank, Glenn Simpson, this fake narrative that they just wrote Trump's name into that they already had prepackaged, had an interesting fan. Someone was a big supporter of getting Trump's name transplanted onto a prepackaged movie script about collusion that didn't exist. Let me read to you this uh, from Matt's piece at Bungino.com. In December of 2017, the New York Times told us that it was interactions involving former Trump foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos that sparked their investigation. Yeah, remember that one? Which is in direct contradiction to statements made by who? Former CIA director John Brennan, who claims that it was he who did so by relaying British intelligence to the FBI. Here's the quote. I was aware, Brennan said in May, of intelligence and information about contacts between Russian officials and U.S. persons that raised concerns in my mind about whether or not those individuals were cooperating with the Russians, either in a witting or unwitting fashion. And it served as the basis. Wait, listen up. This is Johnny B. Johnny Boombots. And it served as the basis for the FBI investigation to determine whether such collusion or cooperation occurred. <laughs> so let's, let me get this straight. The piece, let me give you, read the title of the piece, sorry. Here's the piece, it's, it's under our debunk this section up on Gino.com. It'll Again, it'll be in the show notes today if you subscribe to our email list. It's titled, New Evidence Suggests Fusion GPS Founder Glenn Simpson Lied to Congress. He goes through all these fake narratives. The second paragraph is what I just read to you. Let's just get this straight now. Glenn Simpson, who back in 2007 wrote a Wall Street Journal piece that contained basically all the elements, 2007, not 2017, contained all the elements of the 2016 fake Trump collusion narrative. All the players were there. Oleg Deripaska, Paul Manafort, Alpha Bank, all of these names that appear in the dossier, appear in the fake Trump-Russia collusion narrative. Keep in mind, it's fake. It's totally made up. It was, in essence, a movie script written in 2007 they erased all the names, put Donald Trump's name in there instead of the other players, and just prepackaged the fake narrative to sell to Hillary's team. Hillary's team, now Hillary's outside the government now, Joe. She's a candidate for the presidency, but she's not the secretary of state. Right. She has no ability to operate within the government to get this narrative pushed. So what does she do? They hang out with their old buddies, these political operators, Johnny B, Johnny Boombots being one of them. Johnny Boombots says, hey, I heard all this stuff about right. It's all right here in a quote I just read. I heard information uh, from our foreign partners about uh, about Russian intelligence working with the Trump team. You did. Who'd you hear that from? Your foreign partners. Well, who gave it to them? Who gave it to them? 
You think the United Kingdom just randomly happened to fall upon some information that the same players who were written into a 2007 Wall Street Journal piece by Glenn Simpson now all of a sudden magically appear in a new narrative? Who was feeding them this information? It goes to Brennan. Brennan then admits, it's you, folks, the quote's right here in our piece today. He admits that it is him who pushed the FBI to start this investigation. Then all of a sudden, the same players working for Fusion GPS, Nellie Orr, who's working for the company hired by Mrs. Clinton to generate this nonsense narrative that was just sold to them by Simpson, right? The same player's husband is the number four person in the Department of Justice who meets with Fusion GPS, pipelines this right in to the Department of Justice, bypasses all verification channels that would have caught this information as being politically motivated and BS. It winds up making its way into a FISA document while Rosenstein is in charge. Now you see the leverage they have against mm-hmm. this guy. Now, as if the DOJ pipelining bad information into the DOJ through Clinton's team is not good enough. They want to make sure it gets pipelined into the FBI as well. So that lawyer, Michael Sussman, working for the law firm hired by Hillary to gin up this information through Fusion GPS, the lawyer meets with the top lawyer at the FBI, Jim Baker, and they talk about the exact same BS information, the 2007 movie script that's just transplanted into the Trump team. All with the help of Johnny B., Jimmy C., Andy M., Rod R., and all the other players out there. What a cabal of idiots. Now, the House of Cards is collapsing. How do we know this? Well, something happened. There's a great piece by Chuck Ross, Daily Caller, I have up in the show notes today, too, I want you to read. It's a short one. But something happened that tells me, folks, I know you're upset that the declassification is out, but I want you to smile a little bit. Yeah. The cockroaches are scurrying. The lights are on. People are worried. <laughs> All right, I'll get to that in a, in a second. I got to pay for the show. We appreciate your patience. Hey, today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy community that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. That means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. Can't imagine fitting anything else into your life? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. Uh, It's real simple, folks. You know, sometimes we got to optimize our performance physically, but we forget about the cerebral side, too. Uh, You know, I spent uh, two years in graduate school studying psychology. I I loved it, neuropsychology, behavioral learning. So this is an issue very close to my heart um, and my mind, pun intended, but it's true. Get something off your chest whenever you need to do. Talk about everyday challenges at work or home. Just chat about life. There are no extra commutes, no leaving the office, and absolutely no judgments. Remember that therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical, everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life and optimizing your, uh, your condition. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to uh, who is trained to listen and help you make some positive changes in your life. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life changes we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash Bongino. That's Talkspace.com slash Bongino and use the code Bongino to get $45 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Bongino. 
promo code Bongino for $45 off. We really appreciate you supporting our sponsors. They want to be here. They want to address you. They love the show and they love our audience. So thanks for your patience as always. Okay, so what happened? Where are we getting at? Let's get right to it. Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, who is the movie script, uh, 2007 movie script writer for the Wall Street Journal, uh, who, well, he wrote the article, it wasn't a movie script, but you get the joke, yeah. uh, who sold this package narrative to them and pushed it to Bruce Orr, as I told you in the show the other day, I read a Washington Times piece by Rowan Scarborough, where Bruce Orr took notes suggesting that Glenn Simpson was selling him this Russian collusion alpha bank servers, the Trump Tower servers are communicating with the Russians. It was a spam email thing. It was a joke. This Bruce Orr has notes saying that it was Glenn Simpson who was pushing this to him. Now, they recently, uh, Chuck Grasley just issued a subpoena for Glenn Simpson to come back up to the Hill uh, to talk about what's going on here, these new Bruce Orr revelations and others. Now, Glenn Simpson, Joe, who was chatty Kathy before up on the Hill, mm-hmm. what has he done? Oh, he's taken the fifth. Oh, that's fascinating. Against what? Why would he take the fifth if he has no criminal liability at all? What's Glenn Simpson worried about? You know, it's incredible, Joe. The liberal goons who attacked Trump forever saying, what are you worried about the Mueller probe for? <laughs> if you got nothing to right? Yeah. If you've got nothing to hide, it's no big deal. I hear not crickets, crickets. I can't do the cricket sound, so I have no idea. And Joe's working remotely, so we don't have our traditional soundboard today. <laughs> Joe's going to have to make up the sound effects today. Cricket, cricket, cricket. There you go. There's our cricket sound effect. <laughs> Utter silence. <laughs> the worst cricket sound effect ever. Worst. Yeah, horrible. No, silence. Complete silence. Here's the Democrat. Wait, Joe, I'm, I'm being that we don't have the soundboard today. I am going to do the sound effect for the Democrats. Wondering why they, again, the, Trump. You don't shouldn't have to worry if you did nothing wrong. Glenn Simpson, when when Glenn Simpson takes the fifth, here's the Democrat response to it. Hold on. Did you hear that? The answer is no. Yeah, because they didn't hear anything. There's not. That's our sound effect for the show today. The utter complete silence. Republicans should be out there going, wait, you use the same argument against Trump. Glenn Simpson, if you got nothing to hide, why are you taking the fifth now and refusing the subpoena? Folks, I'll tell you why. The Alpha Bank story's falling apart. The dossier is completely discredited at this point. The sources for the dossier are completely discredited. Rosenstein has been completely discredited. This entire thing is falling apart. The lies are being exposed. The leaks are being exposed. The lies by Jim Comey are being exposed. Remember Jim Comey on with Brett Baer on Fox News oh, on his yeah. book tour? Where did you get the dossier from? Well, we weren't really sure about the source for it. Really? Because an FBI lawyer who works with you, Jim, at the top levels of the FBI was meeting with a Democrat lawyer working for Hillary Clinton and the DNC. Did you not know that? There's only one possible explanation or actually two. Now, let me take that. The reasonable explanation is, of course, you knew when you were a liar. The second explanation is you were the worst FBI director in human history who authorized the counterintelligence investigation into the Trump team while simultaneously having no idea the whole investigation was started by a reporter being paid by Hillary, a former reporter in the former Glenn Simpson, who was piping the information right into your uh, top lawyer in the FBI. You can't be that stupid. Jimbo. Jimbo dropping, dropping another L. Now, here's what they're really hiding. Here's what Simpson, by the way, just so we're clear on where we're going with this. Simpson's pleading the fifth because he's terrified now that the information that's going to come out is going to point to multiple discrepancies in his testimony. Number one, 
Simpson, in his original testimony, when he spoke up on the Hill, when he was chatty Cathy, oh, he had nothing to worry about. Why? He thought Trump would be impeached by now, probably, and he thought Mueller was going to find something. He didn't. Now, Simpson, I plead the fifth. Here's what he's hiding. The Alpha Bank narrative that the Trump Tower servers were communicating with Russia, which had nothing to do with, they weren't even owned by the Trump organization. Again, go back to Monday and Tuesday's show for elaborate detail. But know this, that was a major component of paragraph one. That was an entirely BS garbage narrative transplanted from 2007 over until today. It's a garbage narrative. Why does that matter with regard to Simpson pleading the fifth, Joe? Because Simpson, when he went up on Capitol Hill, made it out that this was no big deal. Simpson up on Capitol Hill was like, well, let me quote. He said, that's an open-ended question on Alpha Bank, on the Alpha Bank servers, the server communication between Trump and Russia through Trump Tower, right? He said it was an open-ended question. Well, what's the problem? That's not what he told Bruce Orr, folks. Bruce Orr's notes indicate that Glenn Simpson was telling him, this is the real deal. The New York Times story that debunked, the New York Times, I'm not saying it wrong, that debunked this Trump Tower to Russia server connection through Alpha Bank stuff. New York Times debunked it. Simpson fought back to Bruce Orr. No, 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 the New York Times is wrong. This is real. So just to be clear, why is Glenn Simpson taking the fifth? To be crystal clear, evidence point number one, Glenn Simpson said Alpha Bank is real. The FBI investigate. This is what we need to look into. The Trumps are communicating with Russia through these servers. The story was entirely debunked. Sub point number two, sub point number three. Once it was debunked, he still pushed it with Bruce Orr. No, no, this is real. Now he knows paragraph one and the egg on the face of the FBI, the Russian server story is total garbage and he knows he's going to be made to look like a complete fool because someone's going to say to him, Mr. Simpson, you told us in testimony that you thought Alpha Bank and that stuff was ah, kind of an open-ended question, but that's not what you told Bruce Orr. You insisted to Bruce Orr this was real. Why? Why'd you do that? Number two, what is Simpson hiding? They're likely hiding their relationship with the media and how the media, Joe, was played for complete total toolboxes, how the media was played for tools, how they planted stories in the media through Glenn Simpson and the FBI solely to use the media to gain leverage on this Trump collusion hoax. It's totally made up, folks. I I can make up a story about Joe, Joe being a ghost right now. It has as much credibility as the collusion story. But if you plant enough media stories in what people think to be credible outlets, they aren't. But the New York Times and the Washington Post and others about Joe being a ghost, eventually people are going to believe it's real. Simpson is unquestionably hiding his detailed and layered role in assisting in the planting of stories about Donald Trump and collusion with Russia that were entirely made up to the media. But the third takeaway is fascinating, and it's in Chuck Ross's piece, Daily Caller today. Again, check it out at my show notes, Bongino.com. Please click on the website today. We'd really appreciate a nice bump in traffic. It would mean a lot to us. So uh, Blair and my wife worked super hard on it, and Linda. So uh, again, big triple shout out to each. They're hiding something else. Glenn Simpson, in his testimony up to Congress, said, oh, no, no, I didn't start talking to Bruce Orr at the DOJ. I mean, keep in mind, Simpson, uh, Bruce Orr's wife, 
Nellior works with Simpson at Fusion GPS. They're pipelining information into the DOJ. So in order to give the appearance that they did not influence the election, because Joe, remember the narrative the liberals are pushing is that Trump influenced the yes. election with the Russians, right? Right. Yep. Imagine if the real narrative, wink, wink, nod, nod the entire time, which it is, the real narrator, it is, um, <laughs> the real narrative the whole time was that Hillary, Glenn Simpson, Christopher Steele, the DOJ and the FBI actually influenced the election with this cabal of spying and this influence operation with the media to try to ding up Trump. That's the real story. But for that real story to go away and remain hidden, we all have to believe that Bruce Orr at the DOJ did not hook up with Simpson, meet Simpson till after the election. And that's the story Simpson said on the oath up on the hill that he didn't meet Bruce Orr at the DOJ till after the election, which makes the story untoward, but it avoids the election interference narrative, which they're trying to pin on DJT, Donald J. Trump. It's really their story. Why does that matter? Because Bruce Orr's own notes said they met in August of 2016. August. The election, Joe, is in November. Uh, call me crazy. I've run a few times. I'm pretty sure it's on a Tuesday in November, just about every time. Yeah, that's how yep. that works, right? Mm -hmm. uh, again, we don't need Jay Zabakis in here Ooh. to tell us that August is before November. So Bruce Orr's notes indicate that there was a meeting, not only in August, but there was an additional meeting with Steele and Simpson right before the FBI opened up a case. Oh, isn't that fascinating? You understand why Simpson now is pleading the fifth? His testimony indicates the Alpha Bank story's crap, and he continued to push it. They may have been working with the press to plant fake stories to influence the election and the appointment of a special counsel to cover up what they did to influence the election. And number three, their BS story about meeting after the election to make it appear like this was all innocent afterwards because they were worried about Trump and the, the Republican Russian interference in an election that was already over is B.S. It's nonsense. They had been working with them the whole time. Orr's notes already show it. Folks, this is the biggest scam ever. 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 And again, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the incredible feedback on the book. I'm telling you, it is all laid out. Go pick it up today. Please, I'm dying to get into the top. We'd love to be number one, but you know what? That time may have passed. There's so many good books out right now. <laughs> but if we can get into the top 10 on Amazon, it would you'd totally make my day. I've never been in the single digits. I've been close. My first book uh, got to, to uh, 22. This book got down to 14 on Amazon. But uh, if we could get into top 10, I'd pick it up. But go read the reviews if you're still unconvinced because the reviews are really good. So thanks. Sorry to keep plugging, but I put a lot of... A lot of work into it, and uh, my heart's in this thing, and I want to see this project succeed, and I want you to have the information in easily readable format. So thanks a lot. Okay, um, I want to move on to some other stories. I've got some great um, great stories. I've been having a sideline for the week because there's just so much yeah. going on. But uh, finally, one final read here. Um, today's show also brought to you by our friends at We The People Holsters. We The People Holsters is back. 
They are back, the best holsters for the money out there. They sent me a free sample a while back. I tell this story all the time. I had been um, addicted to my pocket holster forever, saw this thing for my Glock 43 and said, uh, this is it. I love this thing. It is terrific. Uh, we the People holsters are custom-made holsters made here in the U.S. of A. They design their own holsters in-house. They do not use crappy third-party molds. They make them right in Las Vegas. They cut each mold to fit each gun precisely with precision. They update designs each month. They have the camo one, the Constitution one, an American flag, the thin blue line, the thin red line, new models coming out each month. When they say they design their own holsters, they mean it. They build their own molds. They have a 3D design team that measures every single nook and cranny of the firearm for the absolutely perfect fit, and you get that click so you know it's securely in there when you insert the firearm in there. It has an adjustable can, adjustable ride, so you can adjust the holster for comfort. You can adjust the tension by just turning a screw. It is a fantastic, uh, I, I can't recommend these things enough. The holster start at just $34. It comes each one with a lifetime guarantee. It's nice, but you're not going to need that. Every holster ships free, gratis. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a refund. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan and you'll get $10 off your first holster. That'd just be $24. That's it with shipping. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan for $10 off. Okay. On the newsy front, um, <laughs> I'm so hesitant to say this, but I have to because I love Twitter. <laughs> uh, Cocaine Mitch is back, Joe. Hello. Cocaine Mitch strikes again. Uh, now, again, folks, listen, I, this is a family-friendly <laughs> show, and I do, but sometimes a meme is just so funny. You got to kind of break the rules and get a little edgy. You know the cocaine Mitch, Mitch McConnell, of course, who I'm talking to, Don Blankenship, who was running for Senate, called him cocaine Mitch uh, as kind of an insult. Mitch's team has quietly kind of embraced it because it makes him look like a renegade. It's it's a it's a silly, dopey story. But if you put cocaine Mitch in any search engine <laughs> or on Twitter, you will see, right, Joe? Some yeah. of the funniest memes you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. So, and it's meant to instill this reputation that McConnell's now a rebel. Now, we got to stay on him. They're still establishment types. But credit where credit is due, he did a great job with Kavanaugh. I bring up cocaine Mitch because he's at it again with the judges. He, I mean, in a good way. Remember, the Supreme Court's important. What happened with Kavanaugh getting a conservative majority of 5-4 in the Supreme Court is critical, pivotal, yeah. absolutely no doubt, folks. But as I've said to you repeatedly on the show, the real fight in the courts is not, matter of fact, it's not even, I, I, if I had to prioritize, it's really not the Supreme Court. The real fight is in the appellate courts, in the circuits, that's where the fight is because 90% of the cases that affect your life end at the appellate court level. And at the appellate court level, Barack Obama, especially the D.C. circuit, stacked the courts with diehard liberals who are politicians, not judges. Donald Trump is slaying it with the appointment of circuit court judges now. I bring this up because whereas uh, Cocaine Mitch could have sat on his laurels there and said, hey, we got Kavanaugh, let's take a break. What did he do, Joe? What's coming up in November? Yeah, yeah, the midterms are coming up. Yeah, midterms. The midterms, Joe, in his finest Thurston Howell voice, the midterms are coming up. What does that have to do with Brett Kavanaugh, judges, and Cocaine Mitch? Well, 
McConnell understands that in order to win a midterm election, remember, this is exclusively the Senate, right? McConnell, the Senate, because the Senate confirms judges. Uh, I'm not talking down to anyone, folks. I just want to make sure you understand the story clearly. Mm -hmm. The House has no role in that, in the confirmation of judges, Supreme Court or otherwise. On the Senate side, there are hyper-competitive United States Senate races where Democrats running in deep red Trump states in order to win their races, Joe, have to do what? Campaign. But you can't campaign if you're sitting on the Senate floor the whole time, Joe, voting on judges, can you? No, you can't. No, her, no, you can love it. No. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. So cocaine Mitch strikes again. What does he say? He said, I know, I can't help it. I know it's so bad. I know it's horrible. Do not do drugs ever. I'm serious. I've never done them in my life. It's just the most funniest meme ever. He said to these the Senate Democrats, he's like, yeah, listen, um, I think we're just going to keep the Senate in session because remember what they did to Kavanaugh, the delay process, asking for cloture votes and 30 hours of, of debate on every on all these judges. They're doing the same thing to the circuit court and district court judges as well. It's no different. The process for confirming judges is the same for the Supreme Court as it is for the district and appellate court judges, too. So Mitch is like, okay, you want to draw this out and delay, delay, delay and not allow us to appoint judges? That's okay. We'll keep the Senate in session forever. But but we got to go home and campaign and knock on doors and attend the parade. Oh, good. Then just don't vote. We'll just approve them with the Republican majority. And, uh, you know, as long as we have a quorum, we're good. So goodbye. And the Senate's in a panic. They're like, what are we going to do? So I have an article in the show notes from the Washington Examiner. Mitch basically told Chucky Schumer, I'll keep this sucker in session all day, pal, all week. Your people will never go home. They will get smoked in their races. Cocaine Mitch strikes again. And what happened? Yesterday, the Democrats folded. Because they, (laughs) yes, they folded. Now, it wasn't to be, you know, to be candid. It It wasn't a complete fold. Remember, this is a war of attrition. But again, I want to give some credit where credit is due. There are... 49 judges that are ready for confirmation that have been booted out of the judicial committee and are ready for vote on the on this uh, in the in in front of the full Senate. McConnell got 15 of them. He cut a deal with the Democrats. He's like, all right, we're going to do these 15 and we'll let you go home. Those 15 are important, though, because one of them was a Ninth Circuit judge. Oh, the nutty ninth. Now, you may say, all right, well, what happened to the other 34? McConnell, who I got to believe is keeping is going to keep his word on this, is saying, all right, we're going to get those other 34 in the lame duck. So was it the perfect deal? No. But again, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got 15 more. They weren't all circuits. Some of them were district, just to be clear. I think it was three, uh, excuse me, three appellate. Yeah, and uh, and the rest, I think, were district. But the point is, he's got 34 more. He's saying, no, no, we're pushing those. And he's insisting we are getting them through before the new year, too. So in the lame duck, if we win and you go out and vote and we bump up our majority in the Senate, then candidly, folks, it doesn't even matter. Whether he does it in the lame duck or not doesn't matter because he's got a bigger majority in the <laughs> next year. But Mitch strikes again. So again, we stay on him. I'm not suggesting he's one of us on the Tea Party side. But also, we don't want to be, you know, haters with a Z, you know? We don't want to be the haters. Nah. We got to make sure when we got a soldier on the battlefield willing to fight a fight we want to win, that we say, all right, listen, nice job, Mitch. And uh, I, think it w- I think it was the best we were going to get. So 15 more went through. Read the article. It's a pretty good one. Um, on the economics front, I 
talked about yesterday, which I got a lot of good feedback on, you know, while we've been away from the economics front for a little while based on the you just relentless news cycle. Yeah. But there's another good piece by uh, Sally Pipes and the Washington Examiner I have in the show notes today. I really encourage you to read uh, how Trump has completely uh, turned the turned the corner on the Democrats on health care. Um, let me give you a little behind the scenes about what's going on. The health care issue is starting to bubble up again. It's showing up in polls. It is now, uh, in some matter of fact, in many polls, the number one issue for voters going to the polls. Uh, I believe the reason is obvious. Obamacare has decimated our health care system. And although people seem a little bit unclear as to the origins of our health care crisis, which is government, government is the cause of our health care problems. They still understandably see these elevated premiums and deductibles, Joan, are getting worried. And there's nothing wrong with it. We shouldn't. Just because they're a little confused about how we got here does not in any way mitigate their concerns. These are our neighbors. I mean, these people, your health is a big deal. We can complain about the price of cars. You're not going to die. The price of health care can literally have life, life or death consequences. Now, you and I know that's government caused. It is. The government is the cause of it. It's the third party payer problem, community rating, guaranteed issue, which are driving health care prices through the, through, the, through the roof. The disconnect between patients and the doctor by the government is destroying our health care system. But what the Democrats have been running on now, and they thought they were going to get a free pass on it till Trump, Trump again, new rules, folks, fight back, fight back hard. They're running on this Medicare for all thing, which sounds great. Joe, free health care for everyone. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Look at that. Everyone's going to get free health care, Medicare for all. Well, the Republicans who in the past, Joe. It's the Dan Bongino political grenade theory. <laughs> the Democrats throw a political grenade on the battlefield. Medicare for all free health care. And if you oppose it, you want people to die. What do Republicans do, Joe? They run. They scatter, right? <laughs> we can't have people thinking we're going to kill people. So they run and they don't fight. Trump decides they, they lob that, that grenade in. There's a Medicare for all bill out there that was co-sponsored by 16... Democrat senators and 123 Democrat members of the Congress, the House of Representatives. They thought this Medicare for all thing was going to be a huge winner in the midterms. But Trump decides he's going to pen a little op-ed in USA Today and throw it right back in their faces in some of the most brilliant political marketing I've ever seen. He drops a nuclear bomb on them on this battlefield. On the bat, he drops a Moab on the battlefield. He goes, oh, Medicare for all. Yeah, that sounds great. Except for the fact... That it's going to, here's just some of the, here's just some of the points that the, the bombs that get dropped in this piece. And now, now as a result, the reason I brought up the number of co-sponsors on this bill is the co-sponsors on the bill are now back on their heels because they're, you see where I'm going with this show? Yeah. They're used to throwing the political grenade. You want people to die if you don't support free health care for everyone. And Republicans scatter. Trump turns around in his USA Today op-ed makes a pure unadulterated economic argument about the stupidity of this proposal and now some of the democrats who sponsored this thing are being asked questions by the media because of the trump op-ed and they don't have the answers because why why do you think that is joe joe does two plus two equal seven uh no it doesn't dan yeah but if you're a democrat does it equal seven it sure can dan and if i'm cnn interviewing you as a democrat can you make two plus two equal seven i sure can you can't you can't. It's not going to work. So now all of these I people can't. who co-sponsored this stupid <laughs> bill are panicking because Trump op Trump op-ed has them on their heels. Uh -huh. Here's some of the things they're getting called out on. One, this Medicare for all proposal is going to cost $30 trillion over 10 years. That may not mean anything to you. I, I, I'm, I get it. 
These numbers are so large and so ridiculous that sometimes they have to be put in perspective. So what does that mean for your actual wallet? You, your money in your wallet, your income and your family. What does that mean to you? It means that your income taxes right now will double. And if you own a business, your business taxes will double to the federal government. And it still, still does not cover the cost of free, Joe, air quotes, free health care. Remember the famous quote by P.J. O'Rourke? You think health care is expensive now? Wait till it's free. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I'm telling you. The Trump op-ed highlights the pure economic stupidity of this and trump's megaphone is forcing the democrats who signed on to this ridiculous bill to answer basic two plus two questions and they can't do it so now what's happening even some liberal leaning outlets i saw this in florida with this uh this horrible socialist candidate running for governor of florida andrew gillum who wants to basically double everybody's taxes and bankrupt the state he, they don't know how to answer it because what's this? What even CNN starting to ask questions like, mm. so you want to double people's taxes and double business taxes? And they're all like, uh, uh, no, but, um, sir, sir, well, not Gillum. Gillum didn't sign. He was the mayor of Tallahassee, ran that city into the ground. But the congressmen and the senators running for president, Elizabeth Warren and others who signed on to this, are now going to be forced in debates. They thought they were going to get a free pass, Joe, to say, uh, Elizabeth Warren, yes or no, do you support the doubling of income taxes and business taxes in the United States? The doubling. Do you support that? Um, no, I don't. Then why did you sign on to that bill? Please tell me you get... You get the strategic genius of what Trump did? <laughs> yeah. In the past, oh, they yeah. would never, ever write this op-ed because they would be accused of wanting people to die and not having health care. Trump takes the gloves off, puts the brass knuckles on, gives exactly zero uh, about what the Democrats think, makes an economic argument in op-ed. That op-ed is now going to be used forever in debates and elsewhere to pin Democrats to the wall on you want to double people's taxes. And it's, and by the way, a position that appeals to probably less than 1% of Americans. Yes, I want to pay twice what I'm paying now oh. and for my business too. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The Republicans in the past were such wuss balls. They were afraid of everything, their own shadows. They were terrified that if they wrote this op-ed, they'd be accused of wanting to kill old people. Trump doesn't care because he knows it's stupid. So he's like, I'm just going to make this economic argument and now we're going to pin it to the left. And now that... The people who co-sponsored this have nowhere to go. They sign their names. Even worse, that doubling of taxes and corporate taxes still does not pay for it, even with the bill's estimated 40% in cuts to doctors and hospitals and payments. So not only now are you telling the people that will get the, quote, free health care, Joe, that they have to pay double their taxes and double their corporate taxes. You're telling the doctors and hospitals who need a need to buy in on this, right, Joe? They're the ones providing the yeah, healthcare. Sure. That, by the way, in order to make this work, we're going to pay you forty percent less. <laughs> I mean, is this is this absurd? <laughs> Do you have no now? The doctors and hospitals are like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Now you may say to yourself, some of you are listening who may be a little moderate on the Democrat <laughs> side or liberal. You may be saying, well, Dan, screw them, the doctors and hospitals. They're making enough money. Oh, no, no, no. Uh. The Sally Pipes piece I have in there, Washington Examiner, brings up a nice, interesting point, Joe. Eight out of 10 hospitals 
are now losing money on Medicare patients now. So let's just be clear about what we're talking about, the damage Trump did to these silly Democrats that signed on to this debacle. You're now suggesting eliminating private insurance. You, whatever insurance you have now is dead. Secondly, doubling your income taxes and your business taxes. You're suggesting a 40% cut to your doctor and hospital while eight in 10 of those doctors and hospitals are presently losing money on the Medicare people they have now. Folks, you are talking about complete, utter, total decimation, a nuclear bomb to our healthcare system. And now the Democrats are back on their heels. This is how you fight. This is how you fight. All right, one final note. It, I'm not going to put it in the show notes because it's a, a, a subscription piece in the Wall Street Journal, but it's a great Phil Graham does some really terrific op-eds in the Wall Street Journal. If you subscribe to the journal and you see a Phil Graham op-ed, read it. They're always so good on economics. Um, but he had one the other day uh, that was just really wonderful about the complete failure of the war on poverty. And I just wanted to read to you a, a quote from it. He makes a couple of points about how the so-called government war on poverty, I use air quotes because it's not been a war on poverty at all. It's been a war on prosperity. How, Joe, before 1966 and the Great Society War on Poverty program started, poverty had dropped in the United States from roughly 32% of the population to 14%. Mm. Oddly enough, Joe, again, that's before the war on poverty. After the war on poverty, poverty has stayed relatively consistent at about that same level, which is odd. Usually you start a war on poverty, you think it would drop precipitously. He talks about in the piece some of that, how they don't factor in transfer payments too. How really the popula- even the population in poverty in the United States is, is an overestimate because they don't take into account transfer payments from the U.S. government. He says, this is an astonishing number, that back in 1965, the average transfer payment, in other words, payments give to poor people by the government, averaged around $3,000 in today's money. Today's money, obviously not the money in 1965. You know what the pay average transfer payments now are to people in lower income categories from the government? $34,000. Now, now, a lot of you are very perceptive or picking up on an anomaly here. You're saying, Dan, you're saying two separate things. I'm not. I'll get to it. You're saying in one hand that before the government started helping poor people, that the poverty rate was going down. You said after they started helping poor people with the war on poverty that the poverty rate didn't move. But then you're saying it actually has moved because they're transferring all this money to poor people. Yes, the poverty rate has in fact gone down. When you measure the transfer payments, the poverty rate's closer to 3%. So you're, again, you're probably thinking, oh, I don't get it. Now you're saying since the war on poverty has dropped from 14 to 3%, so it's working. No, 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 no. Yes, that part's right. It's working if you want people not to work. That's why it's working. Because the transfer of massive amounts of taxpayer money, $34,000 on average, to people in lower income categories is incentivizing people to not work. That's not my opinion. I'm going to read from Graham's piece the actual numbers because facts and data matter. Quote, Phil Graham, the expanding availability of anti-poverty transfers has devastated the work effort of poor and lower income and lower middle income families. By 1975, the lowest earning fifth of families 
had 24.8% more families with a prime working age head and no one working than did their middle uh, middle income peers. By 2015, this differential had risen to 37.1%. Let me be clear on what he's saying. Let me sum this up for you. Since the war on poverty began and hit its peak in the late 60s and 70s, the number of households who are poor, who have people who can work and don't, has gone up dramatically. So yes, the amount of money transferred has impacted people in lower income categories' ability to spend money. They're getting a lot more money. Oh, success. No, fail. Epic fail. You are incentivizing people in mass numbers to get a, basically stick into generational poverty and not go out and work. The numbers speak for themselves. He goes on. And by that same year, even families in the lower middle income uh, 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 quintile headed by working age persons were almost 6% more likely to have no one working than a similar family in the middle income quintile. In other words, people who don't get government money are working in far larger numbers than people who do. The war on poverty is an epic failure. We are spending a boatload of money to transfer money from people who work to people who are not working and incentivizing people not working to continue not working. This is not a success. It's an epic failure, the highest order. And before the war on poverty and these transfers even started in the 60s and mass numbers, the poverty rate was going down anyway. That is the whole point. Beautiful piece. I Again, I read from you the important takeaway. If you want to look it up and you have a subscription, check it out. Um, but... Um, Otherwise, I, I don't put them in the show notes. We get too much. We have to deal with email all day. This is a subscription piece. So, but the show notes today are awesome. Again, thanks, Blair, Linda, and Paula, my lovely, beautiful wife, for doing a slick new website. Please click on it. We'd love to see a bunch of unique views today. Read Matt Palumbo's piece of the website and uh, go check it out. We really appreciate it. And please pick up my new book, Spygate, The Sabotage of Donald J. Trump. We'd love to get into the top 10 with your help. We really appreciate it. Thanks, folks. It's been a great week of shows. You all made my day. Thank you for buying the book. You're awesome. Uh, Really, I mean that. You're great. Um, I will see you all on Monday. Thanks a lot. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.